0: Welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Each week, Pastor Keith will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message from Highland Southern Baptist Church to the rest of the world. If you have a Bible, we encourage you to read along and study the Word for deeper understanding. Now, here's Pastor Keith for this week's message.
1: Get your Bibles, open up to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1. Second Timothy, we can assume that Timothy has now lived through quite a bit of, of uh, the, the church life, the church experience, and I haven't talked about Timothy in a while. <clears throat> if you could imagine Timothy, and, and the only thing I like to say is he, he was, for the bulk of the time that Timothy was involved with, uh, with the Apostle Paul, he would have been a mid to late teenager, okay, okay? So, mid to late teenager, somewhere around 16 to 19 years old, and Timothy was given the responsibility. He was basically handed letters by the Apostle Paul to deliver messages that he was delivering to churches. Uh, what's the problem when a teenager is actually given the authority to carry a letter that's supposed to carry authority into a church? What 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 is the consequence to that typically? What what's the natural reaction? when a whole bunch of adults sitting in a church are handed a letter delivered by a teenager telling them what they need to do? Ignore it. it. Maybe even scoff at the teenager, right? Treat them pretty terribly. I mean, really? I mean, Paul, we know, right? Paul, we know. I mean, any of the other apostles, we've heard their names. We know who these guys are, right? But Timothy, who are you? What do they call you a minor apostle? He's a kid. I went into the ministry at the age of 18 in the church i grew up in i became a youth pastor guess how many people who knew me as a child as i grew up guess how many of those people respected me as a minister at the age of 18 not one of them this is why the apostle paul tells the apostle paul tells uh tells timothy to not become upset about this don't let them look down on your youth And this is kind of the point that he's he's making in this. If we're going to be individuals who are going to be faithful to Christ, we are not only going to look odd, we're just going to flat make people mad sometimes. Because the truth is the truth. And there's honestly a a whole part of the world we live in today, they feel like we need to soften the edges. Well, I feel like we need to take the warning labels off of everything. Let the problem sort itself out. Amen? Amen? If you're going to eat a Tide Pod, guess what the consequences of that are? <laughs> he ain't clean on the you're going to die. Those are poisonous. They will kill people. So let's start a challenge, the Tide Pod Challenge. Let's start a yard bar challenge. I really want to see how this works. You guys videotape that for me. <coughs> it's actually dog droppings that look like a baby roof. I bet you could get them in on it. Because this is who people are these days. There are no boundaries for individuals in the way that they can treat you. There are no boundaries in the things that they can do. The world will not restrict them in such. People are so diabolical. If you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. And I've said before, if we aren't being persecuted, then what are we not doing? Asked a question this morning, don't answer it out loud. To me, it's telling. How many people did you lead to Jesus in 2022? What's the first thing that Jesus Christ asked us as individuals and as a church? The first thing, he said, if there is one responsibility, and I was to eliminate all of the responsibilities. One of them slides to the top. Which one is it? We're just supposed to share the gospel. That's how you make disciples. Jesus' number one reason for coming was to seek and save the lost, amen? Shouldn't we be about the same business? But I'll ask you again, how many people will lead to Jesus in 2022? And I know what the problem is. People have just closed up completely. God has shut the heavens off from his mercy and his grace. Anybody who's left is just too late. Is that the truth? People are just so hard-headed and so detached from life that no matter how many people you tell, none of them accept Christ. Is that the truth? What's the truth amongst a large majority of christian why can we say that we didn't lead one person to jesus in 2022 if that's truth cuz we aren't sharing the gospel that has the power to save being no dis- disobedient in the first thing but i get it i get it because it's terrifying it's terrifying to look at people and to say that they're doing things that are words that you vowed as a young man not to ever say in public. The S word, stupid. But this is what we live with. And if you think that they won't retaliate over you trying to take away from them what they're comfortable with, why do you think that you're not allowed to say that abortion's wrong out loud? Why Why? Why is that? Why are you not allowed to say it? Is that so insane? Of a first world country to say we should not be murdering babies in the womb, should that be a shocker to people? Or is the shocker we are a first world country that are murdering babies in the womb? But if you say that out loud out there, be ready for it. Because they're going to come at you. What about the girls that are raped? What about incest? What about those situations that are less than 1% of every abortion that they do? Because they'll pick the outlier to justify the act. These are the people we're supposed to take the gospel to. The ones in their heart of hearts that have no problem sucking the life out of a preborn baby. Fully formed preborn baby. There are people in our government right now that are saying that you should be able to abort your child all the way up to the age of 18 because that's when you're going to find out whether they have value. This is the world we live in. This is the world we live in. I get it. It's an unpopular message. He's an unpopular savior. It seems that sometimes the things he expects of us are unreal. But the truth is, he just wants to be glorified. Can he be glorified in your pain? Yes. Can he be glorified in your stress? Yes. Can he be glorified in your hard choices? Yes. Can he can be glorified in your failures glorified in your successes because you see the glory is not determined by your ability to succeed it's determined by god's ability to use us where we're at and that just requires us to be individuals who desire to be obedient in the face of all that we have to fear start talking to somebody about Jesus these days, what's the potential? I can tell you what the potential is. You will be rejected way more than you will be accepted. In most cases, you won't even get out of the chute talking about Jesus. You can talk to him for five minutes, try to slide into the conversation with Jesus, and as soon as Jesus enters the conversation, the conversation changes, the attitude changes, people's hearts change. Timothy hid. That's how he handled it. He detached himself, because Timothy watched Paul in the responsibilities that God gave him, and what did Timothy see? He saw Paul almost stoned to death. at least knew the story. He watched the Apostle Paul arrested on four different occasions. He watched the Apostle Paul be chased by Jews, be chased by people who are of the Greco-Roman pantheism, polytheism. He was chased by his own countrymen, the people that he grew up with and trusted. When Timothy sees, hey, this dude, he's doing what God tells him to, but it's gotten him in a whole lot of hot water. I've just tipped the iceberg with the responsibility he's given me. I walk into these churches hand his letter. These people are Horrible. And Paul's starting to let on, like when he's gone, I'm taking his place? Who wouldn't? Right? I look at my bosses at Walmart all the time. And I'm like, man, I am so glad that I'm not you. I don't care what you're making. I'm so glad that I'm not you. Timothy is us and I'm being serious when I tell, when I tell you that that's real. Because I can sit up here to a preacher and I can poke at Timothy and I can tease him. But right down the line, how are we any different? When it comes to us being asked to go into uncomfortable situations, deliver, deliver uncomfortable messages, how easy is that for us? We're scared of the same thing he is. We might have to worry about being beheaded But you can certainly be railroaded in this society by saying things like homosexuality is sin. Forget the fact that everything else that God says not to do, as well as the things we don't do that God tells us to do, those things are sin too. But you're not allowed to say the one. That's insanity. The difference is you avoid the wave or you brace for it. Let's see what Paul tells Timothy in this first chapter of 2 Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm going to cover this. Grace, mercy, and peace. I want you to notice that if you removed any one of those those elements, it falls apart. Grace, God's unmerited favor. Doesn't matter what you've done, not because of anything that you did that was good or anything that you did that was bad that He would withhold. He won't withhold it. God's unmerited favor. He loves you just because He chose to, and there is nothing that you have ever done that will change His intention at first at loving you. You you're never become an enemy of God until you die separated from Him. You can live your life, your entire life, not believing in Jesus. You are not his enemy. I've said before, there is one unforgivable sin, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and there is not one person that's alive today who has committed that sin. In other words, there is hope as long as any person has breath in their lungs. He calls him his beloved son. To Timothy, my beloved son. Timothy was not his blood son. But Paul had had adopted timothy and took him under his wing this relationship brought value to the apostle paul trying to teach timothy through this situation this circumstance and this is the first note for us to take in this the apostle paul isn't just an authority figure who was taking someone who was under him and was pushing him around to have him just do what the lord wanted him to the apostle paul was prepping timothy and continued to prep timothy how did he prep him if I, walk up to, if I walk up to Doug and I say, hey, Doug, I need some help down at camp this week, don't know Doug, seen Doug from a distance, never met him, but never met him before, I walk up and ask him that, the chances are he's going to look at me and say, I need a whole lot more details than that, right? But, known Doug for quite a while now, I mean, we've spent a lot of time talking to each other, we've got to know each other real well, I can walk up to him and say, Doug, I really need your help down at camp this week. He's still going to ask me a few questions, but they are not going to be as many questions as he would have asked me had he not known me. See what I'm saying? So when he calls him his beloved son, he's talking about this is the relationship that I have worked towards, to where I am a father figure to Timothy, and Timothy is a son figure to me. If I look at every person in this in this uh, church, and I've had people ask me this before, they say, "Why do Christians call each other sister and brother? Is there a difference?" If Karen, I'm going to call you Karen. What's the difference between me calling you Karen and me calling you sister? Relationship. Right? When you you have that common relationship in Christ, that common relationship elevates the relationship to a brand spanking new level. And the Apostle Paul, using the word son in that verse, it means the Apostle Paul intentionally drew Timothy in as a son, which meant that he wasn't teaching him to carry on a responsibility. He wasn't handing on uh, a job. He had emotionally, physically, and spiritually invested in Timothy. Think about it. What do you do for your kids the whole time that they grow up in your household? As long as they're in your household, what do you do? You do everything you can to try to provide them with the best atmosphere for them to grow up, Right? A lot of times I know it's difficult circumstances, but I know a parent in the right right heart and right mind, they're doing the best they can to raise their child up the best they can, morally, ethically, everything that they can do before they grow up. And how far are we willing to go to help a kid, a child of ours? How far are we willing to go? I'm here to tell you, any parent who cares, there's no end. It's been proven to me many, many times over. I've said it to my own mother before. You're not helping my little brother by doing that. Think that mattered? A thousand times. He, she'd helped him another thousand times. Why? Because he was her son. In other words, I don't like being pastor. I prefer when people call me Brother. Because without them even knowing it, subconsciously, you know what they're tying to—the relationship where Jesus is the common post, the common anchor. People call me pastor. I'm all right with that. Don't call me reverend, please. There are none reverent but the Lord, and uh, that's not—I don't—I really don't think that there's any human being on the planet that is—that is. That is uh, worthy of that title aside from jesus who is here thus no longer grace mercy and peace you have grace god's unmerited favor not because of anything that you've done or anything that you haven't done but just because he loves you he's willing to forget everything that has ever happened in your past everything that happens in your present and everything that happens in your future And the result of that forgiveness is mercy. And here's the way that I've said it. Grace is when God gives us what we do not deserve. Mercy is when God does not give us what we do deserve. Every one of us that are in this place, we're unworthy. We know what we've done in our lifetimes. We know when it comes to true purity, if we were to stand next to it, based on our own actions in life we know exactly what that would look like the mercy and grace that Jesus Christ gave us we do not deserve it that's exactly what grace is right so what's the result of God first giving us what we do not deserve grace and second not giving us what we do deserve mercy peace is only possible with those two can't happen otherwise I can guarantee you this the stresses that are in your life they're linked to one of those three ever do anything in your life you can't forgive yourself for I just said that grace is God's unmerited favor In other words, he's not withholding it because of any bad thing you've ever done in your life. And he's not giving it to you for any good thing that you've ever done in your life either. Just because he loves you, just because he wants to, you get his unmerited favor. And as a result of that, he says, and because you have my unmerited favor, there's no punishment for you. There's accountability. We could discuss sometime what you think that looks like. But there's no punishment. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We don't stand in the judgment line with all the lost people, we stand in a different one. And that's because of Jesus. It's because of grace. It's because of mercy. It's because of peace that we have the ability to stay sane in this world. Regardless of what Timothy goes through, if he remembers these two things, peace is something that's in him. And where was, the, where was Timothy at the time the Apostle Paul was writing this? Hiding. Guess what Timothy needed? He needed peace. Because he was showing a lot of conflict inside. In other words, your identity in Christ, it is what God says that it is, not what you think that it is. Did you hear me? Because we're fallible, the things we even think could be incorrect if we don't have a baseline to follow. What's our baseline? It's the word of God. That's our baseline. Because if we all got to pick our baseline, would they be the same? We have to use the untouched, the pure. We have to use that which God gave us to be the foundation through which we do everything, or otherwise the world is terrifying. He says in verse 3, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. Here's what he's saying. Timothy, I miss you. I would rather have you here crying because that would be more joyful for me than for me to not have you at all. That's what he says. Longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. You ever desired to have somebody who was filled with tears to provide you with joy? Because in my experience, it's always been quite the opposite. But here's what Timothy's saying. You being gone when you hurt only hurts me too. How many times do you think people think of that? Every one of you have personality. I appreciate that personality. All of you have different quirks. Some have great quirks. Some have not so great quirks. You are all a bunch of individuals with absolute individual personalities in this building. Can we agree with that? Some of you are a pain in my backside. Once in a while. Some of you more than others and some of you not at all. Do you think I want anything different for the ones who aren't a pain in my backside than I want for the ones who are? So regardless of who you are in life and where you are on the path, I realize you're trying to figure it out. I realize that I'm here to help and that there are other people in this church that are supposed to be here to help those individuals who know how to lay down a path to help people walk the path that God wants them to, and this is what we want to do. Because even if your life is a mess, it's better than you not being in my life at all. So he's telling Timothy, there's more joy in me having you here a mess than there is in me not having you here at all. He says in five, for I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Boy, now he's pulling out the genealogies. Your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, he talks about the faith that they had, and I know the faith that they had, therefore I know that it's in you too. What's he saying? It's there. It's there. Because if you had a grandmother and a mother who trusted in Jesus, guess what they did your entire life? Because you see, Timothy had a Gentile dad. But he had a Christian mom and grandmother. So Timothy grew up understanding the Gentile side of life while also witnessing firsthand the Christian side of life. The Old Testament promise, train a child up in the way that they should go, and when they grow up, they will not stray far from it. doesn't say they won't stray from It, it says they won't stray far from it. Why? Because the Word of God never returns void. And because as long as we're willing to invest in people, as long as we're willing to invest in people, there's hope for change. And it's not us doing it, it's Jesus doing it through us. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the, the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. You guys notice once in a while that our coals get cold, fire starts to go out. And the word they use there for kindle, we do it a little different. We use kindling, tend to break up smaller limbs, things that will light easier, and then that'll light the bigger stuff. The idea of kindling back then was the same idea. It was a, it was an act. It was a verb to kindle a fire. Was like when they made bricks. They had that one of those giant bags that some of you may still have in your house for your smokers or your fireplace that you push down and it pushes air into the into the coals and it glows the coals until the fire kicks up again, that's kindling. To kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you. He's saying, look, every one of us not only have the capability, once somebody asks us, once we've stopped in our tracks and somebody asks us, how many people did you lead to Jesus in 2022? It's a very uncomfortable question. There's grace there. There's mercy there. But shouldn't there be some change there, too? Shouldn't there be some change there? Kindle afresh. Are your coals hot this morning? Is your fire going out? Getting tired? Heat the coals up. Because did you ever notice that you're always more, what's the word? Opened to difficulty when you're going through something hard already? What does Jesus want to do with our lives? He wants us to truly not find that much value in this one. I say not find much. I'm not saying not find any. Of course, we have relationships he's commanded us. uh, He's commanded us through. We have all kinds of things in life that he's commanded us through. There are things here that are important. But the truth is, the most important things are the things that will be here after this is all gone. Because it will be one day all gone. And we stand on the truth. I stand on the truth. Why? Because I know whether whether it's me that's here when Jesus comes back or when the world slides off, when his cheese slides off its cracker, it's probably going to be me my kids, my grandkids, or my grandkids' kids or grandkids. See what I'm saying? When can you let up? What good is it for the work that I have done in the lives of my kids if my kids don't do that work in the lives of theirs? What good is it for me to do the the things in, in my life if those things are not manifested in such a way as it's encouraging you guys to do the exact same thing? So a virus comes out, shuts the world down, and we all become complacent? Again, I get it. I get it. Plenty of reasons for your fire to go out, right? Amen? question is, though, just like I asked a while ago, if there should be a little change when it comes to not leading anyone to Christ in 2022, you better than anyone else can tell what temperature your fire is. In other words, how easy is it to get up and go to church every Sunday? you excited to? What makes the difference? Is it who's there or who's not? It's not that hard to figure out where we are, to figure out what our temperature is. The question is, will we be people who will sit there and allow ourselves to stew in whatever temperature that we are? are we, we, will we become people who say, okay, time to get up and dust me off and a kindle fresh, kindle afresh the gift that God's given us? Heat it up. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. If we don't speak the truth out of fear, is that timidity? It's exactly what timidity is. And it don't matter what truth it is. And it don't matter what fear it creates. But God didn't give us one. As a matter of fact, he gave us everything that's completely contrary to a spirit of timidity. What's the one thing that God needed to take care of, realistically, to completely remove fear from the human being? What did he have to take out of the way? Death. Death, right? You guys get this, I know, and you've heard this many times, but I really want you to let this sink in, all right? You can't be killed. Do I need to say it again? Let's all say it together. I think it'll be really helpful. Let's all say it together. You can't be killed. This is why Paul had the attitude he had. They arrest him. They say, we're going to beat you up. I consider myself worthy to be persecuted for my Lord. All right, well, we're going to kill you then. To be a martyr for Jesus? Awesome. We're going to let you live then. Well, I get to go back to teaching then. This is all going to turn out good. They could not win. Why could they not win? Because Jesus already won it for Paul. Game was over. And it's amazing how when we slide into this mentality where we understand God has not given us a spirit of timidity, might we have to suffer some temporary consequences for doing the things that God's asked us to? Absolutely. I can guarantee you will suffer some, some consequences. The truth is, once you become that person, it's not that hard anymore. It's not hard for them when they call you names anymore. They look across the room and think you're crazy. I just like looking at them once in a while crossing my eyes just to keep them interested. (laughs) The Bible says that we are peculiar people. What does that mean? Weirdos? That's the common word. You're peculiar. You're weird. You think the world don't notice if you're the person Jesus says is supposed to be weird? You think they're not going to notice? You're going to seem a little rude at times. You're going to seem like you're taking things a little lighthearted at times. You're going to seem like you're taking things a little too serious at times. And all of them out there are going to have an opinion about it. They will. But how can they hurt you? Persecute me? Bonuses! Amen? Because what was the the beatitude about persecuting? Blessed are those who are persecuted according to my name's sake, for theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. So is it a good thing to be persecuted? Yes. Why are we trying to avoid it? Because if you read this down a little bit further, I'll tell you why. Whether we want to admit it or not. There's a little of the shame. There's a little bit of shame involved with that. straight up challenges there can it be embarrassing to be stuck out it will be embarrassing to be stuck out you're an alien in a foreign land you don't even belong here you're not a part of this culture you're not supposed to fit in this culture you're supposed to look like a weirdo in this culture If you don't look like a weirdo, you would be what I would consider a chameleon Christian. That's the Christian who always absorbs themselves very well, camouflages themselves into their surroundings. So they get around a group of people who love to gossip. Guess what they do? They gossip. They get into a group of people who like to just tell lies about people. Guess what they do? Birds of a feather flock together. The lives we've been called to to live... They're the lives that are dangerous. They're the lives that have some serious consequences potentially for your actions. I've told you all before, I have seriously had my life threatened a half dozen times since I've been a pastor of this church. never know whether they're serious. Do you have to take it serious? So when someone makes you afraid for doing what you've been told to do, a line you cannot cross, God has told you you can't cross that line, and they say, I'm going to shoot you the next time I see you because you won't move the line. Oh, well, for my own health and safety, let me move the line. Is that a choice? Not a choice. but who is it that cares for me? If there is something to be protected of or from, who's the one who protects me? If there's something for me not to be protected from, who's the one that has seen to it that I have not gotten protection in that particular situation? The choices we make matter, but don't think that God don't know where you're at and where you're headed every day of your life. He wants to know if we are individuals who are aware and are investing in something that lasts for an eternity. And I'm just saying, over the last three years, it seems like some of our bones have gotten dusty, including mine. To kindle afresh just means get the fire hot again. And here's the best part in closing. You know what the interesting you know what the interesting thing is about hot coals they stay hot a lot longer if they're surrounded by other hot coals and occasionally if you get a cold on the outside that decides that it's going to cool off and start to turn a little black you can flip that little coal over to the center and it'll heat right back up just like it never got cool that's the value of the church whatever you're facing in life Whatever difficulty you may come across, don't let it drive you away from here. Don't let it drive you away from Jesus. Look at your own life. Not something this preacher may have said, but anything that Jesus may be, may be saying to you, we have got to be people who are willing to look at our own lives, be willing to admit the truth about where our relationship is with Jesus, accept it, and then do whatever it is that Jesus asks us to do. Because there are people's eternities that are depending on it. There's people's happiness that's depending on it too. Their ability to recover from whatever they struggle with. A lot of people depend on us, and Jesus made it that way. Only because he knows that we depend on him, and our goal is for those who depend on us to depend on him as well. More and more and more every day of their life. If you're here today, you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, but you want to. The Holy Spirit moves you to uh, you. Ha- you haven't followed through in believer's baptism, maybe trusted some time ago, uh, whatever reason may be. If the Holy Spirit moves you, and you'll know what that you'll know who that is. Uh, people ask me all the time, "What's that supposed to mean?" You'll know. Holy Spirit moves you, I can ask nothing more than for you to be obedient to him. And that for those of you who are here today as believers can expect no more than that as well. And in in your invitation time, whether that's a conversation the Lord's having with you with where you're at or you want to come up here and you want me to pray for you, pray for you, I'm willing to do that as well. But I'm asking you, whatever the Lord may ask, just be obedient.
0: Amen. Thank you, Brother Keith. And for those listening on the podcast, I want to offer that same opportunity to you if you've never placed your trust in Jesus, now is the time to do so. By default, we are all sinners, separated from God, and there is nothing we can do on our own to fix that. That's why God sent his only son Jesus to come live a life without sin. He was put to death on a cross as a perfect sacrifice for that sin. And to seal the deal, he came back from the dead three days later. If you truly believe that and ask him into your heart, you will be saved. If you're already a believer this is a great opportunity to recenter your life in Christ take these next few minutes in prayer and I'll be praying for you as well For listening, if you have questions about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. Have a blessed week, and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link, with preaching by Keith Barron. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.